0: Hello and welcome to the In Conversation. I'm Nikki Cross from the future. I'm recording this about 170 episodes in. We're currently in June 2023 and I just thought I'd record an introduction to my earlier episodes for this simple reason. My sister was at breakfast the other day in a cafe and she overheard a lady saying to her friend, I have just found the inner white conversation. It's really, really useful. I'm going to go right the way to the beginning and work my way through the episodes. And it immediately made me want to try and contact this lady who I have no idea who she is and be like, no, don't do that. Because this, this podcast, it's been going for a few years. And during that time, I have grown. I have changed. I have evolved. I have grown more confident in my abilities and in my competence, not just in my podcasting abilities, but also in what I do with my clients. I've become much more sure about who I best work with, who I best serve and how we can best Have conversations around the topics that are meaningful to the people who I work with. And so it makes me want to go, oh, God, no, listen to the more recent episodes. That's where you're going to get your best value. That's where you're going to get your best insights. And it also, to be honest, makes me go, oh, in those older episodes, I sound different. I sound different because I was trying really hard. I was trying really hard to be liked and accepted. I was trying really hard to find my place in this in this space and i think it comes through i think that you can hear that and i'll be honest there's some old old episodes that i've gone back and i've thought oh that that's made me cringe or i actually disagree with myself and so it leaves me with the question why wouldn't i take the old episodes down and my simple answer is this as we all navigate life and business we all evolve and we all grow and there is always going to be an older version of us that we wish we'd have said things differently or we wish wish we'd have done things differently. Like for example, at the beginning of my business, I wish that I'd have been much more confident in who I worked with and how I can serve them and really back in my own, you know, opinions around certain things. But I can't go back. None of us can. None of us can go back to a previous version of ourselves and rewrite time. And so I'm leaving all of my older episodes in for one reason, only and that is because I want you to take these older episodes and take them for what they are a demonstration of someone growing and evolving and learning in public and I I say all of this and I introduce this episode with the hope that that not only inspires you but also helps you to give yourself permission to grow and evolve and learn in public. So many of us just won't put ourselves out there for fear that it's not going to be good enough, and you know it's not going to be right and when i when I listen back to my original my my initial podcast episodes, it's not good enough, and it's not right by my standards now, but it was back then. Everyone has to start somewhere we all have to start somewhere we can't just rock up to something and be who we want to be or have the quality that we want to have from day one. So with what you're about to listen to, please, please know that as these podcasts, as the numbers roll on, the more me you will hear me get, but that's the more me now. Yeah. And that's not to say that there isn't value and insight in these older episodes. It's just letting you know that this is my version of growing and evolving out loud. So with all that said, let's get into the episode. Welcome to episode 28 of The Inner Work Conversation, a podcast I've created for leaders like you. This podcast is dedicated to making sure that you feel empowered and reassured that you are totally not alone. I'm Nikki Cross, founder and CEO of Thrive Life & Business, and in today's episode I want to talk to you if you're overworked, stressed and close to burnout on the daily. So no long intro today, but before I do dive in, I want to announce the winner of my thank you for the feedback gift of May 2021. Each month, I'm going to pick out one review and contact that person with a gift for them which is one of the resources that I've mentioned in May's episodes. And this could range from a book, an audible book, or even a month's free access to Thrive Together. So please continue to leave reviews over on iTunes. If you're not on iTunes, please tag me on social media. I will count that too. So the winner for May is E&M's mum, who gave the feedback... Every episode is a revelation for me. Each time I listen, I take away something that helps me to grow. Thanks, Nikki. Thank you. Please contact me so that I can send you a list of the resources that I've mentioned in May and so that you can choose one of them so I can get it over to you. Without further ado, no long intro to this episode. Let's dive straight in. So, we've all been there, haven't we? Glorifying the busy, parading our exhaustion, and wearing our busy badge like a badge of honor. And if you don't know what I mean by that, after this episode, go back and listen to episode 21 Busy, Burnt Out, and Over It. And I know if you're a high performer, there's a high chance that you link your worthiness with your productivity. This is completely subconscious, and it's a trend that I can honestly, hands on heart, say that I've identified across every single one of my clients when we start working together so if you can relate to that you probably link your outcomes and your results to how hard you worked towards them because that's what we're taught right we're taught go the extra mile earn your hard-earned money it's not easy but it'll be worth it i'll bet that you can even probably think of your own little burnout glorification sayings yourself if you really thought about it And I'm not having a pop either, because me too, I am a recovering overworker. I was raised by parents who they saw hard work as the most important trait. I was raised in a school who perceived hard work as the number one trait of success. And I've got promotions, I've got pay increases due to my commitment to show up when others won't, to do what others won't, to strive to levels of dedicated hard work that are admirable, but unsustainable, right? And do you want to know what's worse? I have brought those things into my own business. And it's so ironic because we easily blame our tendency to overwork on how we were personally and professionally raised. But the truth is, if you're here and you're listening to this, you're either a leader or a business owner or a, just a grown-up <laughs> who now has to admit that you have full responsibility to choose how you show up, to lead in your life and in your business. And that's the truth now, it is up to you. And this realisation is both liberating and petrifying all at the same time. (laughs) Because when you realise that you are the person at the root of the way that you feel, when it comes to your relationship with time, it's you, that's a biggie. So when you do this work, it requires you to really look at how you're running things and to get really honest. And this is what I did when I set up my own business. And even, sorry, in ways, not just when I set up my business, even to this day, I make things unnecessarily complicated. I don't take time out that I should do to rest. I run out of time for my big rocks instead of looking at the way that I'm doing things. I just rob more time off myself, waking up earlier, doing more, stripping my life and my business back from the things that actually bring me joy. I make the already shit tasks harder by indulging in the, oh my God, this is so shite. These are all choices, right? And I'm not telling you these examples about myself for any other reason than to let you know I have got the t-shirt. But I have decided in my lineage, in life and in business, that it stops with me. I am choosing to lead, not to be led behaviourally. And I don't want to leave a legacy of promoting burnout. That's not what I'm here to do. So for myself and for you and the people that I serve. So in this episode, I want to talk about more than just simply being busy, more than simply burnout. Today, I want to talk to those of you who struggle to switch off I want to get into that detail of why some of you don't actually know what you like to do for fun anymore. And you might even be sitting there like literally racking your brains now, but you'll probably start doing things like classing, joining in other people's fun activities as your own, such as taking your kids horse riding. You might get joy from that, but that is primarily their activity. I'm talking about remembering what you like to do and then doing it. I want to speak to you if taking time off or even just having time out of your day without feeling guilty is a struggle and I am talking to you and this episode is absolutely for you, if you've got to the point in your life and in your business where you feel like you've cut out or reduced dramatically, you've streamlined streamlined, everything that's desirable and you've only really got the essential left, you've already done that, or the rocks, you know, the um, rock, sand, water analogy, I'll link it in the show notes, you now only have your big rocks left, and you stripped everything else back, and you, your jar isn't even big enough now for your big rocks, this is for you, and this is also for you, if you can recognise that, if you're really honest with yourself, you're turning into a bit of a martyr, you're envious of others, of having free time, and it's starting to show And lastly, this episode is for you if a bank holiday weekend, which we've just had in the UK, or taking a few days off fills you with dread, because in your head you're thinking, but I'm going to have to work double hard to catch up when I get back. It's for those of you who can't rest without guilt If your boundaries are totally grey, you can't do anything unless it's linked to some form of productivity. So I'm going to share some instant changes that you can make today, some quick wins. But I first want to give you some context. I want to tell you why I am converted. Because I used to be exactly like this and I still have to work very hard not to fall back into the same place. Glennon Doyle in her book Untamed, on page 279 if you've got it, She identifies um, these activities called reset buttons and I think it's a fantastic exercise to do to identify what is it that brings you back to centre, what is it that fills up your cup, what is it that leaves you feeling more able to deal with the challenges and the things around you rather than reach for the um, easy thing to do. So I want to give you some examples because I think that it's a really great place to start in helping you to see some of the work that I have done that might benefit you as well. My easy buttons would be going into the kitchen, eating sugar, um, making another cup of coffee when I know I've already had enough today, scrolling through Instagram. They're my easy buttons. They're the buttons that might make me feel good in that moment, but they make me feel like shit afterwards. My reset buttons are things like a quick walk around the block, focusing on nature or my breath to clear my mind, having a better night's sleep and being more intentional about my evening ritual, drinking more water, leaving my phone in a drawer, and doing a instead of spending 10 minutes scrolling on Instagram, doing a thought download. All of these things, there's so many more, I've literally listed them down, I'm not going to go through them all. All of these things empower me to be able to reach for the right um, solution for me in those moments. If you haven't got that book, I'm going to link my friend's um, free resource. Um, Leah from Living Further has developed a healing tools um workbook so I'm going to link that in the show notes because it's an amazing resource for you to do exactly the same thing but they're not my tips I'm just giving you context for this episode I can't deny these reset buttons they work far more effectively than my automatic tendencies which are to push through to work harder to try more and to prop myself up with things like sugar with things like caffeine and also full transparency here I'll also share with you that I have felt and do feel Still guilty for resting and what this causes in me is to avoid rest and it causes me to try and sneak productivity into my rest and again I'm telling you this because I want you to see if you can spot yourself in me, if you can spot yourself in what I'm saying because if you can then this episode is absolutely for you. And I'll go even one further and tell you what's behind this behaviour is my mindset, is thinking things like, but how can I possibly take time out to rest when my to-do list is getting bigger, not smaller, but I've already lost time over there to X, Y, and Z that I didn't anticipate was going to happen, so now I need to make up for it by doing more. It's thinking, and possibly this is the worst one of the lot, I haven't done A, B, and C, so I don't deserve to rest or spend time on myself rest will just get in the way. It'll slow me down. Are you hearing yourself in my words? If you are, if you are, you are in the right place today. And if you're still listening to this episode, I know you have felt this too. And I also know that you probably aren't living on a bed of roses either. Life can be tough. The pandemic was tough. Keeping your team and yourself motivated is tough. Losing loved ones can be tough being a parent can be tough, caring, or even if that's an animal parent, caring for a parent can be tough, being a leader can be tough, waking up to 417 emails can be tough, it is so normal to feel exhausted by the things that you simply can't avoid, from the big challenges of life that you can't control, and, and in business, to the seemingly trivial It is totally normal to feel overwhelmed, but today I want to talk to you about the daily decisions that you're making to push through and to do more and what that's costing you because it's not helping. So today I am, I consider myself today, when I was thinking about this episode, I was thinking I am selling an idea to them today. I'm convincing them. I'm I'm here to persuade you. I want to convince you of the idea of taking time to intentionally not be productive. This is possibly one of the most productive things you can do, and one of the kindest things that you can do for yourself. It's a huge form of self-care, dramatically reducing the risk of burnout, stress, general unhappiness, and all of the bigger, more serious things that they can lead to. Um, And I also want to give you Ways that you can navigate the things that simply must be done, but you fucking hate to do. I want to make, I want to help you make those things easier today. So one last thing before I do dive into the tips. I have another reason for talking about this particular topic today. And that is because at the beginning of June 2021, Inside Thrive Together, which is my group coaching membership, the topic that we are covering is intentional rest. Now, you might be thinking, but I thought that Thrive Together was a space for leaders to grow their leadership skills. It is. You're not wrong. But this topic is as important, if not more, to any of the others that i delivered to them so far. But the answer is quite simple. If you want to lead effectively in life and in business, if you want to lead effectively, there is a basic fundamental need or requirement. You've got to be there physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, you have got to be there. You can't lead if you're not there. So many leaders work themselves to the point of exhaustion, burnout. And what I hear from them are things like this. Well, there was just too much to do. My brain was so foggy, I couldn't think clearly. I spent 10 hours at my desk, but hardly got anything done. I tried to uphold my boundaries, but I physically can't stop the emails from pouring in. So what, what, what do I do if I don't respond to them? They just build up. Um, or also I hear things like this. I can't work like this anymore. It's not sustainable. I can't magic more hours in my day. And then they'll say things like, oh, well, I just get up earlier. I just get up at four o'clock because no one else is awake to bother me then. So I can get all my little admin bits done without being disturbed. It's like, these are the things that I hear. I know that this is a problem that is quite widespread. And inside Thrive Together, each week, we on our Monday power planning call, each week, I, I hear the same thing from them. When I, when I ask them the question, have you factored into your week time for intentional rest? I think Some of them, to be honest, I think that some of them still don't see this as essential. And if you're a Thrive Together member listening, I'm challenging you here. I absolutely recognise that for some of them, they do skip this bit. They do. I see it in the chat. I see it, I feel it in our sessions. And I think even more of them plan in intentional rest with good intention, but then their time gets hijacked by something else. Um, so if you're listening to this, I am calling you out. But it's for this reason that I am leading the theme of intentional rest this month. Being able to schedule in time for rest, intentional rest, without exhaustion of dealing with the guilt afterwards, that is a skill that we are going to cultivate. Being able to factor in ways that banish burnout. Most of you have forgotten how to rest, Most of you don't know what rest is anymore. Most of you have even forgotten what it is you like to do to wind down. So what do you end up doing? Not resting. And then you convince yourselves and try and convince me (laughs) that taking the edge off at the end of the day by having that glass of wine is the most effective way for you to wind down. Takes the edge off. And you try and convince me of that and I don't buy it. Now, I want to be clear here I want you to be productive. I am here to support you in getting shit done. Things that are meaningful to you, goals that matter to you. I want you to work towards those goals. I do, and you will, but I want you to arrive at your destination, happy, fulfilled, composed, having enjoyed the journey, not frazzled and burnt out and depleted. And depleted is absolutely a word that I would use for myself in these times. So I want you to take rest regularly without then having to deal with the guilt that comes with taking that rest or feeling that you've been selfish or the nag of the to-do list items infiltrating your supposed rest time. In episode 21 that I mentioned earlier, I do go into more detail around why you might be doing this, the true cause of your constant need to be busy, your desire to be productive. So definitely go... Go back and listen to episode 21 after you've listened to this episode, but I've explained to my Thrive Together members that a part of the theme this month on rest is learning how to do it. And you might be thinking now, like, what is she talking about? How to rest? We're grown-ups. Surely we know how to rest. And you you, you might understand the concept of rest, but are you actually doing it? Probably not. Rest is a skill. It's a competency. And doing it regularly will make you more effective at it and therefore will make you more productive. But our primary reason for focusing on rest is not productivity. You are a leader in your life and in your business. You're at the center of it all. If you follow me on social media, you will see that Venn diagram that I've created that has two circles, life, business, you're in the middle. So with that being said, I want to give you some teachings that I'm going to be delivering this month inside Thrive Together because my members will be learning how to rest this month and they will see the benefits of that both in the way that they feel and also their productivity. So here I go, today I want to share with you three ways that you can incorporate rest into your week that you might not have considered. Tip number one, I want you to practice doing nothing. In power planning, I ask my Thrive Together members, like I said before, to schedule in intentional rest, and a lot of them do this, and they succeed, and they massively feel the benefit, but I still don't think that they fully understand that this does not have to be 30 minutes, it doesn't even have to be five minute walk, a five-minute walk around the block. If you're listening to this, and you're thinking, nah, I'm not down for doing nothing, like, that's not my bag, <laughs> I hear you. That would turn me off too but I have done my own research for this topic for this month inside thrive together I've reread some of my favorite books that I'll link in the show notes but I've also been reading a new book which is effortless by Greg McEwen. I had to check the title then and I'll link it it's really good I've already read it twice already I've devoured it but on page 71 he talks about the power of the one minute pause and I'm going to read it to you now The power of the one minute pause. Katrine, David's daughter, is native of Reykjavik, Iceland. A gymnast turned CrossFit competitor, her goal was to be the fittest woman in the world by winning the CrossFit World Championship. In 2014, when she was just inches away from reaching the World Championship, she stalled. Every muscle in her arms was straining. One more pull skyward and she'd be there, but she lost her grip. She came crashing down to the floor. She was allowed to try again, but at this point, she had broken down emotionally and mentally. She tried again, but she couldn't do it, so she gave up. The following year, David's daughter decided to hire Ben Bergeron as her coach. When I spoke with Bergeron on my podcast, I asked him about that 2014 competition. He told me that if, at that stalled moment, she had taken even one minute to rest physically and reset mentally before resuming she would have finished the climb and made it into her finals think about that taking just one minute to get into the right state the effortless state in order to take advantage of the body's amazing ability to rapidly recover would have made all the difference for her on that day so bergeron immediately shifted her approach her entire life became about five things training recovery, nutrition, sleep and mindset and the results have been remarkable. That year with Bergeron as their coach, David's daughter not only qualified for the championship games but became the 2015 champion. She was crowned fittest woman on earth and the following year, 2016, she did it again. In fact, of this writing, she has finished in the top five every year in the past five years. When we're struggling, instead of doubling down on our efforts, we might consider pausing the action even for one minute we don't need to fight these natural rhythms we can flow with them we can use them to our advantage we can alternate between periods of exertion and periods of renewal i took a lot from this particular chapter and i would absolutely recommend this as a read particularly if you're inside thrive together um, but what I want to tell you about the one minute pause is how effective it has been for me so since I've started reading Effortless by Greg McEwen, I have also re-engaged with my app Headspace that has lived on my phone for years and years I'm sure you've got it too but on there there are one minute meditations and also if you go onto YouTube and type in one minute breathing exercise you'll find them on there too so, and if you're Inside Thrive Together in the mindset and well-being section, there are resources in there to support you in this way too. So such as the Wim Hof breathing um, method. But I really wanna sell the idea to you that to practice doing nothing, that doesn't look like going to a yoga class. That doesn't necessarily look like a 30 minute meditation. Sometimes it just looks like one minute of silence where you re-engage with your breath where you relax every single muscle in your body and where you just focus on your breath. I would love it if you would practice that one minute pause. Just one minute. I want you to practice doing nothing. Okay, so the second tip that you can implement today is I want you to get 30 minutes more sleep every day. Let me give you some context because I know that this is going to be one that you fight me on either because you've convinced yourself that you don't need that much sleep or because you're sitting there thinking, Nikki, I've already not got enough time in my day to waste it on more sleep is not a good idea for me. I want to talk to you. For me, sleep has been a really, really difficult thing over the past month, I reckon, because of my dad. My dad has dementia and his dementia has got incredibly worse, I would say, over the last month. Now, I'm really lucky because in my family, there are me and my two sisters and my dad and obviously the people and the family that surrounds us as well, but the people who care for my dad are me and my two sisters one of my sisters lives local to me in the on the Wirral in the UK, and my other sister lives in Sydney in Australia. She's lived there for years and years and years. And the reason that that's lucky is because one of the ways that we keep our dad safe at the moment is by having cameras in his house, so and trackers on him, um, a tracking device, so we can actually identify if there's a risk of him going wandering or if there's a risk of him doing something inside his house that is going to cause him any danger and the way that we work it at the moment is if it's your so the sister in the UK who lives closest to me um her and I take it in turns to care for dad throughout the week so it's normally like two days on two days off three days on so that you get a bit of a rest anyway if it's your dad day you are also on dad duty in the nighttime as well because for any of you who know dementia, the nighttime is a real period of activity <laughs> for, for those guys. Um, and obviously that's, um, that's a really challenging thing because the nighttime is when you sleep um, but not f- not for him. <laughs> now the reason that I'm lucky is because having my sister over in Australia, What she does while we're asleep is her commitment is she will watch the camera and she will watch the trackers and if she feels like there's a risk of dad doing something that is harmful or if there's a risk of him going wandering, she will ring us so that we can go to him. So whoever's on dad duty, she will ring them, they will go to him. And the reason that I'm telling you about this is because I used to be someone who thought they didn't need much sleep, um, and I don't think that anymore, absolutely don't think that. Particularly not after reading Tools of Titans by Tim Ferriss, and also Effortless by Greg McKeown. Um But anyway, what I was doing at the beginning of this episode where his dementia has got much, much worse... And um, because I was so scared that he was gonna go wandering, what I was doing, just as you would with a baby when you bring them home, is I was watching the monitor. So even though I knew that my sister was going to ring me if he was gonna go wandering, I would wake up several times a night, check the monitor, check the camera notifications myself. And it got to a point where I was thinking, this isn't acceptable behavior, this isn't okay. My sister is there, watching the camera. She will call me if I need to go to him. And I realised, I recognised in that moment, this is a choice. I was doing this. Granted, it was a choice that was coming from a good place, but I was doing this to myself. And I know that there are those of you listening who might not be in my position, but might also sleep with their phones next to their bed. And maybe when you wake up, you pick up your phone, you think, oh, I can't sleep, I pick up my phone. And this absolutely is not a good idea. It sparks things in your brain that that mean that it is actually harder for you to get back to sleep. Um, But what I do wanna explain to you is from someone who didn't think that they needed that much sleep and could get by on not much sleep, I have noticed, massively noticed, that my ability to focus, especially when it isn't a client call or when it isn't a session, a live session inside Thrive Together, but when it's creative work or admin work or work that is just requiring me to focus in the moment on my own, I've noticed myself really struggling over the last month and propping myself up with caffeine and sugar. So in terms of sleep, I want you to do a self-audit. I want you to see how you are making rest more difficult to achieve. And again, I'm just going to read a snippet from Greg McKeown's new book, Effortless, because it's a great um, final point for me to convince you to get a little bit more sleep. He says, lack of sleep is killing us. Does it sometimes seem like you're sleeping a lot less than you used to? Collectively, we all are. Research shows that today we get less sleep, almost two hours less on average than 50 years ago. This is not inconsequential. People who sleep less than seven hours a night are more likely to suffer from cardiovascular disease, heart attack, stroke, asthma, arthritis, depression and diabetes and are almost, check this out, eight times more likely to be overweight. Sleep deprivation is insidious. In one study, people who got less than six hours of sleep per night saw a decline in their motor skills and their cognitive abilities and nodded off more frequently. No no surprise. But even more concerning was the finding that we are quite bad at noticing the cumulative impact of sleep deprivation has on our minds and bodies. We tend to think that after a few nights in a row of insufficient sleep, that we can simply reset. We tell ourselves all we need is one solid night to catch up, But but as this study revealed, we are actually racking up sleep debt. For every night, we don't get the ideal seven or eight hours of shut eye by day, By day 10, subjects had racked up so much sleep debt, they were experiencing the same effects as the participants who had not slept for an entire night. While they claimed to feel only slightly sleepy, their performance suggested otherwise. As the study's author explains, routine nightly sleeps for fewer than six hours results in cognitive performance deficits, even if we have adapted to it. I'll read that line again. Routine nightly sleep for fewer than six hours results in cognitive performance deficits, even if we have adapted to it. Getting more sleep may be the single greatest gift we can give our bodies, our minds, and even, it turns out, our bottom lines. Because I know that for those of you listening, that is what you're concerned about. You're concerned about your performance, your professional performance. And so I appreciate that... Me saying to you, just get more sleep, might seem trivial, but I really want you to focus on it. I want you to focus on your quality of sleep and your amount of sleep. And that starts with your rituals before you go to sleep. I want you to literally think of yourself like a machine. I want you to think about your ritual before bed. How do you power your machine down? Do you have any rituals before you go to bed? If not, Make some. (laughs) Google it. I'm not going to spend any more time in this episode talking through nighttime rituals. Um, And I'm personally not the best person to talk to you about that either. I know what works for me, and I know that. A simple Google will help you to discover rituals that you can include in your nighttime routine, even if you've got things that you can't control that keep you awake, like small children, like elderly relatives. But what I do know is there are things in your control that you can do to make it intentional. So do exactly that. Make it intentional. And the third tip. The third tip might not seem like a rest tip, but it literally is. The third tip is I want you to simplify. I want you to remove steps. I want you to literally do less. So many of you who are stressed, who I speak to, my clients and my clients inside Thrive Together, so many of you who are stressed, close to burnout, low on time, also have this habit of going above and beyond giving 110%, going the extra mile, but you are so focused on going that extra mile that you're too burnt out to go the first mile. (laughs) You're too burnt out to complete the first mile, but you're so focused on going the extra mile. So I want you to look at the work that you are doing and I want you to strip it back. If something has 11 steps currently, think about how you could make that 5 steps a fantastic previous boss of mine once said to me, the problem with you, Nick, is not only do you set the goalpost so high you can't reach it, but even if you do produce something, even if you do reach it, you want the thing that you've produced to be wrapped up in a bow and to present it to the world with an Oscar-winning performance. And he was absolutely right. I was fucking myself over by going above and beyond, by giving 110%. And that advice is the reason that this podcast exists, because if it wasn't for his advice, I would still be tweaking, I would still be perfecting, and you will be doing this too. You will have overcomplicated parts of your life and your business unnecessarily that causes unnecessary stress and burnout. So to make this really, really real and... Because when I share these things, I know that they are concepts that can seem quite abstract. So to make this really real, I want to provide you with a really real life um, example that I discussed with one of my one-to-one clients. I I asked her, she was really burnt out and she runs a really successful business. And I asked her to run through her morning with me to see if we could remove some steps to see if we could simplify. And she said, 30 minutes of her morning, 30 minutes was taken up Three zero was taken up with making lunches for her sons and her husband, but by the way, she didn't prefer prepare any lunch for herself. And I asked her, "Why did she do this? Why did she do this in the morning?" She had already identified to me that the morning was her most busiest time, was the time where she felt the most stressed. So I asked her, "Why were you doing that? Why are you doing that in the morning?" And she said, "Well." My husband and kids don't like sandwiches made the night before. And I said, well, is there a reason that your husband can't support and make his own lunch for (laughs) Really? And um, she said, no, you know, my husband can do that. It's just I have just taken on that. It's been an unsaid thing. I've just done it. I've taken that away from him. And then we discussed, well, what about your kids? You know, they're only small. They're only five and six. Is there a reason that your children need your the sandwiches to be made in the morning? And she was like, yeah, they don't, you know, they don't like them not to be fresh. And I said, well, when was the last time that you gave them sandwiches that were made in the evening? When was that what happened then? Assuming that she would say, oh, I tried. No, she'd never tried it. She said, Oh, I just assumed they wouldn't like them because they wouldn't be as fresh. We do this shit in our life and in our business. We do this to ourselves. But not only do we do this in ways that I've just explained, like sandwiches, yeah? So we do it for other people and we make assumptions that make our processes more stressful, more, um, sorry, more intricate and therefore more time consuming. And we also place these activities in times that where we know that there are gonna be stress anyway, but we also leave ourselves to the bottom of the pile. I want you to note this down what are you doing that reflects that example that I've just given? How are you overcomplicating things? Where are you putting in um, activities or tasks that have to be done? But where are you putting them in, as in, in terms of in your timeline of your day, when you know that stress is more likely to spike? And also, a big one for you to note in this in this tip: where can you remove steps? Where can you simplify every process that you are involved in? And it links back to that going the extra mile, and giving 110%. What can you simplify? And what can you add more joy into? So, as an example, one of the things that we identified when she did try and give her kids the sandwiches that were made the night before. to be fair, the kids did, did turn their nose up at them and she said, well, I want them to have fresh sandwiches. Fine. How can you make that more joyful? How can you make that a more joyful experience then? Can you get them involved? No, that will slow you down in the morning where you need to save time. Okay, well, can you do it at the same time as listening to music that fills you with joy or can you do that as at the same time as listening to a podcast that you might enjoy can you make it a more joyful experience so that third tip is simplify remove steps from your process look at where you're putting things into your day are they at the right time can you move them around and can you add more joy into that experience so there you go three quick and easy tips for you to implement straight away. If you're a Thrive Together member, strap yourselves in because this is the tip of the iceberg of what we're going to be covering together this month. And I wanted to get you warmed up and give you a bit of an intro. And for those of you who aren't Thrive Together members, I mean, why not? It's epic. But if you're not, I hope these tips have served you today too. No long outro today. I have stripped that back from this episode (laughs) to make sure that I can actually get it out to you. I really hope that these tips have helped you. These are tips that I am practicing in my own life. So that's why there's no long outro. I didn't have time to prioritize it. I just wanted to give you the content of this episode. And I really, really do hope that it has helped. If it has, let me know. Contact me directly. Tag me on social media with your key takeaways. I absolutely love it when you do. I'll see you in the next episode.